welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I am your host, Mitch Album. I'm the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast is inspired. Alongside is my friend and producer of this program, Lisa Goitsch, as always. Hi, Lisa. Always a pleasure, Mitch. I just got back from uh, about eight or nine days down in Haiti, where I go every month uh, for the orphanage that we operate there called the Have Faith Haiti Mission. And it inspired me for today's podcast to talk about something that Americans talk about a lot in a lot of different ways, but I'm not sure until we get older, until we get maybe less healthy, until we really face our mortality, if we really understand what the word means. And what I'm talking about is dignity. We have a country in which people get very insulted very quickly about their dignity uh, in the form of, I'm not getting respect. I'm not getting respect. Mm-hmm. We hear that a lot. It's a, having been in sports for many years, heard it every, every other week, uh, and the <laughs> team's not getting respect. This guy's not getting respect. My opponent's not respecting me. We're out on the street. We don't like the way that we interact with somebody. Oh, they're not respecting me. Uh, you know, I have my pride. I have my dignity. And to me, all that stuff is just, it's kind of a waste of time when you really see what it means to have dignity in the face of real hardship, you realize that someone not saying that your team is going to win a basketball game isn't really what dignity and respect are about. Or if somebody doesn't, I don't know, bring the food over in the restaurant in the fashion in which you think they should, or somebody forgets to say thank you or things like that. That may be bad behavior, lazy behavior, uh, but your dignity shouldn't even be remotely touched by such things because, and I bring this up when I talk about Haiti, because there's such such poverty, such abject poverty there, and to see people getting up and slogging through it every day, to see, as you will, on the street, women who are six eight, 10 inches shorter than I am with a massive uh, like plate-like thing on their head carrying massive jugs of water up and down a hot road in, you know, 100-degree heat every day mm. just so that they can have something to sell to put a few pennies in their pocket. And nowhere do you hear complaints about dignity. Complaints about lack of respect. People just do what needs to be done because they recognize that life, at least there, life is hard. Life is just hard. Every day is hard. Here in the States, life is easy. We don't like it when it gets hard because we're used to like, how can I make my life easier? I want a day where I can Take it easy. Even that expression, take it easy, it's kind of an American expression. There's a lot of parts of the world where this just doesn't exist. There's no such thing as taking it easy. What's taking it easy mean? Every day you have to learn, you know, scrounge to find food. Hey, you know what? Today I'm going to take it easy. We just won't eat. (laughs) It doesn't work. So this, this kind of funnels down to dignity and what is dignity about? Where do you find your dignity? Where does, where does the issue of dignity come from? And I relate this to Maury 
in that right from the very beginning, when I first was made aware that Maury Schwartz was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease, my old college professor, he and I had been extremely close in college. I lost touch with him while I was pursuing all my career things and ambition, and then happened to see him on the Nightline program with Ted Koppel talking about what it was like to die from Lou Gehrig's disease. And so that is how I discovered that he was sick. And in that program, that very first program, Ted Koppel asked him about what part of this debilitating disease concerned him the most, worried him the most, as he was losing the ability to walk and the ability to use his fingers and the ability to use his legs and, and all, you know, it's a motor neuron disease and all the things that were tied into what he was losing. And he, his response got quite a bit of attention. If it was in the days when there was Twitter or things like that, it would have trended but as it was, it was just on television and everybody was talking about it the next day. And in fact, Ted Koppel had to cajole it out of him. And he said, is it okay to say it on television? And Ted Koppel said, yeah, it's okay to say it on television. He said, okay, I'm going to say it. And here it is. Okay, I'll say it on TV then. Somebody's going to have to wipe my ass. I won't be able to do that for myself. Now that's getting pretty far dependent. And one of the things I say in my reflections is indulge your dependency if you can't avoid it. Now, that's a pretty amazing uh, reaction to something that most of us would consider a loss of dignity, right? Someone else has to wipe your rear end. That's, that's pretty yeah. rough. Uh, yeah. When I went to visit Maury the first time, he said, you know, I can't really go to the bathroom by myself. And he had a beaker of, uh, 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 on his desk, and he had asked for some water. And so I went to kind of grab the beaker. I said, is it in here? And he oh. started laughing. <laughs> he said, no, that's what I use to urinate in when I have to. And I said, oh, and I was, of course, I was more embarrassed than he was. And he said, you know, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. Do you, do you want to hold it for me now while I go? And I said, um, no, no, just, uh, yeah, just get the nurse. And he said, okay, that's fine. The nurse came in uh, because I was the one who was more embarrassed than he was. And mm -hmm. I thought that this is a very important lesson, not just for those of us who, who heaven forbid, are, 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 are struck with something like Lou Gehrig's disease, but just the way that we kind of go through our regular life and the, as we get older, things that we can't do anymore. For example, hmm. you know, when I go down to Haiti, the kids there play soccer and they play basketball. And I used to be a good basketball player, a decent soccer player, and I want to play ball with them. And they say, come on, Mr. Mitch, come on, Joe, you to play. But I know I've had too much experience now. If you do that without warming up and without stretching, with all that at my age, I will pull something. I'll pull a muscle right. in five minutes, less than five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be suffering with it for months, you know, for what right. was two minutes worth of activity. So I have to say no. And that sort of hurts my pride. Because I'm having to face the fact that I am 
too old to be able to just jump into a game anymore. And that hurts my sense of dignity and pride about how I want to think about myself. You know, I want to think of myself as that young. I want to think of myself. And and it was a tough transition for me to get to that point. It's taken a few years. When I first started there, I would jump in and then I'd rip something, you know, and I'd come back home with ice ice and everything. But I'd do it because, you know, I had to do it. And there's a point at which you say, no, it's all right. I've, I've had my time to do that. And now I'm going to be the elder statesman, you know. So I say, I'll referee the game. That's usually what I say to them. I'll watch you. You show me. I already have my time playing. You show me what you can do. And and, and they'll say, well, you know, were you good? And I said, yeah, I was really good. You know, I was so good. It was a long time ago. And now I'll I'll just watch you. And, you know, so I referee. And and therefore, I don't have to feel ashamed of myself. And that's a better way to deal with it than to say, you know, I'm angry at myself. I can't can't do these things anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, why aren't I like that? At least I'm sure... You know, I, I'm not a woman, uh, and 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 I, I I'm ignorant about a lot of stuff when it comes to what it's like to be a woman in America. But I've always observed that it's a very unfair thing about what you can wear as a woman at a certain age and what you can't, and even whether you're supposed to wear your hair at a certain age and then you're supposed to change and, and defer, or or you're not as beautiful as you used to be, and things like that. And I I have to imagine, you know, guys unfairly don't get stuck with that. It's not right. And I I have to imagine that there's a transition for a lot of women who are concerned about things like that, that they have to sort of deal with that moment when they're not the hot 22-year-old anymore and or they're not being treated that way. What is is that like in terms of your pride? And how do you – not that – you haven't hit it yet, obviously. So, uh, you know, I'm asking you to speculate here on your future. But what is, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts about how to properly deal with that, which could be a blow to your pride or your dignity? Well, fortunately, I was never that woman. Do you know what I mean? I was never the super mm-hmm. hot woman mm-hmm. or girl. You know, I was, I think my personality got me through most of my life. Uh-huh. And... Um, so I never had that like, wow, you know, people see me for my looks and now my looks are fading and therefore they don't see me anymore. Mm-hmm. However, there is an invisibility that comes with being a certain age. And I feel I've reached that invisibility stage. Mm. You know, you go from being cute, which is an attractive cute to men to, oh, isn't she cute? Like old lady, cute. Look right. how cute she is. She said something, or you know. And I, 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 I sometimes feel that with you know male coworkers or whatever. And I think, hey man, I was your age once before, and I was right. pretty good. You know, I was right. pretty cute. Uh, you know, don't dismiss me by saying, oh, she's cute. You know, like right. that kind of cute. I know what right. you're saying. Right. Um, you're like the so, woman in but, the Wendy's ad. You know, where's the beef? Cute. That kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And hey, I don't mind that, but there's just, there's stuff that goes along with that. But there is an invisibility. And I think once you turn a certain age as a woman, no one sees you. It becomes, you just become completely different, you know? And I can, I notice it if I walk into stores with one of my nieces, they'll get looked at and I'm like the old mom. In yeah, fact, you're one the, time you're the person says, who oh, drove them there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. One time we were at REI, that camping store, right. and um, the guy at REI said to my niece, 
uh, or said to my niece, uh, well, I don't know, ask your grandma what she thinks. I was like, grandma, are you out of your mind? Wow. And I'm talking, this was like at least 15 years ago. I was not grandma age at all. So, um, you know, there's there's things that happen to you. And so those kind of things I take like, oh, so I mean, you're 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 right. You're you're dead on here. So these are the kind of sort of inflicted blows to our pride that we get as we get older. And imagine if you now, on top of getting older, imagine if you're sick. Imagine if you are in a wheelchair. Imagine if you're debilitated mm-hmm. and you can't uh, function or move quickly enough. I always think of, for example, when you get off a plane. And when people mm-hmm. get off a plane and someone gets off a plane who is slow or is using a cane, and mm-hmm. you know those skyways uh, are, are, that's what they call them, skywalks, skyways, the, 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 that, that take you to the terminal, they're narrow. Yeah. So you can't yeah. really pass anybody. And you can feel mm-hmm. the oh. people behind fuming because I got to get something. And this is a slow, old broken down person up there. And I, I always feel so sad for the person because you know that they know that there are people behind them. And sometimes they just, they can feel it and you'll see these people just kind of will go to the wall, like throw themselves against oh, the yeah. wall and say, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I don't want to. And other times they'll just keep going. But you, you know, if you see the expression on their face, you see that they're having to think about it. And I think, you know, this is a blow to someone's pride or dignity that that you're too slow now get out of the way the, the the country is moving at a faster pace than you and you need to go and again your dignity your dignity is coming into question with regard to yeah. your age or your physical abilities it happens when people drive too down the street you know often yeah. when i have somebody driving that's really really slow in front of me you know i'll get that mm, move you know you mm-hmm. get that thing and then i have to stop myself and i think oh wait a minute i don't know who's in that car they could be older it could just be you don't know maybe they're just somebody who's tempted to drive day. right and so and inevitably when i pass them i go oh yeah you yeah. know it's better to be nice than to beep your horn and to do things and here's one thing i know when i was in the hospital Boy, talk about dignity. You 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 learn to just push it aside real quick. Right. Because um, especially right after my surgery, which most people go through after their surgery, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do anything. I had to basically go to the bathroom right there in my bed. I mean, they put pads down for you. It wasn't even a, um, they didn't even give me a one of those things to go to the bathroom in. I just had to go. They gave me this, I don't know, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but they give you a thing as a woman to use. But still, you're basically just going right there. And then somebody has to come and wrap all my stuff up and clean me. I was, I mean, that's very difficult for somebody who's not used to that, you know? And I mean, and not even to mention when you have to take your walks every day up and down the hallway in your little robe with your butt showing and, you know. And how did that make you feel about your, did it affect your dignity? Did you feel like, I can't, I, 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 this yes. is so terrible? Right. So this is I, what Maury was just talking about, about someone having to wipe his rear end. I mean, you're, you're, it's the same type of thing, the same kind of, I, I apolo- this is physically yeah. embarrassing. I apologized the whole time. And it reminded me of my mom, because in my mom's final days, the one thing that really upset her the most was that she couldn't, she had to go to the bathroom on this like little porta potty that we had to lift her up from her bed and put her on top right, of. And right. we had to do all the things that right. Maury had to do, right? right? And that really bothered her. And when I was in the hospital, it struck me. I go, oh my gosh, now I know 
what she went through. You right. know, I, I had so that now you, same... You, you, right. You just heard Maury address that with talking about someone wiping his rear end. But you, remember what he said at the end. If you can't change it, embrace it. If you can't mm-hmm. change it, embrace your dependence. So I would watch Maury when people would come and and help him in the smallest of ways, you know, even holding a beaker or whatever, he'd try to make a joke or something like that. And when people would have to carry him, he would, especially as he got deeper into his disease, he would close his eyes and just sort of smile. He, and he would like roll back and revel in the fact that someone was carrying him. And I asked him mm-hmm. about this and he said, well, it's inside of us, deep in our inner memories, from when we were babies, that we felt comforted when somebody did take care of us. Now, you're probably, we're probably, you know, just too old. We can't remember back when we were one or two. But maybe if you go deep in your memory, you remember a time that being taken care of physically, maybe you're not going to remember your diaper age, but you, you may remember no, when you're, maybe somebody gave you, when you got your parents gave you a bath or things like that. And, there was a sort of like, you just kind of surrendered to it. And that is inside of us. It's inside of us. We remember that. And so Maury said, well, I'm just going to surrender. I'll be a baby again. Okay, I remember how this is done. And he rolled back and he went, when when nurses would massage him or have to bathe him, wipe his face or shampoo his hair or things like that, he just sort of said, okay. He didn't say, this is ridiculous. I'm a grown man and and, and I'm having to have people do this for me because where was that going to get him? Where was it going to get him? It wasn't going to change anything. So he didn't let his dignity or his pride get in the way of trying to enjoy as best he could the moments that he was forced to face while he was still living his life. And that invariably made him much happier in his final days than if he had mm-hmm. railed, railed against it and it wasn't going to change anyhow. Well, I think once you cross that threshold, uh, I think it's easier for you, but I think it's just crossing that threshold that right. is difficult. Right. You know, there comes a point where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You have to do this for me. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. But I think once you get past that, you're okay. You know, right. but I like that thought of thinking how you thought when you're little. I mean, I don't know. I remember clearly calling my mom into the bathroom, you know, when you'd be done going to the bathroom right. and I would call her in. You know, and I mean, I'm talking some help. however old I was, four, five, six, yeah. I don't know. I totally remember that. And yeah, she'd have to call her in. She'd come in. She'd do her thing oh, and yeah. I'd leave. But I wasn't embarrassed. I was a kid. What did I know? I just right. thought that was her job. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And so somewhere deep inside of us, we all have this. And so if we have to if you find yourself in a situation where you are in the hospital, as you say, or you're suffering through something and you need help, people get hip replacements and, you know, suddenly what they were doing two weeks ago, they can't do anymore and they have to walk like yeah. an infant. They have to use a walker. You know, this this thing about my pride, my dignity don't get wrapped up in that. Don't get lost in in uh, what's important is how proud I can feel about myself, because that is a that doesn't have to be a, um, a hard cast thing. You know, it can float. It can change, and it changes mm-hmm. as your circumstances change. Listen to what Maury said when he was asked about what changed once you really realize that okay, this is going to be your end. This is not going to be a temporary little interruption. This is going to be your death. And listen to what he said. What has changed is that I used to be a vigorous young man up till 
77, dancing, running, doing all kinds of things. And now I don't do anything. What has changed? I'm sitting in this damn wheelchair. I have to have people come to me, like you. I have my friends all have to visit me because I'm so immobilized. That's changed physically. But spiritually, if you like, or mentally, what has changed has been a lot. I am grateful to the fact that I'm 78 years old. If I got this at 38, I would be raging like Job and God, having done this to me. But at 78, okay, maybe I would have five more years. I'm um, six years beyond the normal death or the average death in our, for males in our population. So I've had a good life, and it's pretty long. And if it's got to go, it's got to go. I'd rather not suffer so much. I'm not suffering all that much now. But what has changed is now I could cut through the bull. I go directly to what's important. I don't have to put up with a lot of stuff anymore. That's what's changed. Partially, that's not all. So you hear Maury mm. talking about, you know, uh, that transformation that you go through when you have to recognize that you are limited now and you're not the same person that you were. But there is some upside to it, too. First of all, uh, you know, you're grateful. And that sounds weird because you say, well, why should you be grateful when something bad happens to you? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, there are many things to be grateful for when something bad happens to you. A, that it wasn't worse Right. B, that it didn't happen to you earlier. As Maury said, if this had happened to me to 38, now you're robbing me of, of my, you know, virtually my entire adult life, my, my uh, parenting years, my all the rest of it. So, okay, if I had to get the, at 78, better 78 than 38, that it didn't strike someone that you love. You know, if you're the kind of person who says, I'd rather have take on a burden than have it hit my children or my wife or right. my husband. So there are often many things to be grateful for when a bad thing happens. And then you try to adjust to your new reality. And as you can hear Maury say, well, okay, I don't have the certain things I don't have to put up with anymore. I don't have to worry about anymore. And like when you were in the hospital there during that stretch and you know you might have been initially embarrassed maybe your dignity was affected initially uh but then you realize you know what uh that was kind of built on sand i don't really need that and now you know i'm just gonna i i'm, I'm gonna face that this is my body and i'm limited by my body and that's what i can do i actually did there was a funny I, I, again i won't get into the specifics but there's this little tool that they give women to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was so cool. I was like, wow, can, can I just buy those? Because I'd like one of those at my house. <laughs> On those okay. days where I just don't feel like getting out of bed. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> uh, it was just because to me, it was, a, I, I, I then started seeing it as this miracle of medicine. <laughs> There's this thing that enables, you know, men, Men, men have it easier when it comes to, you know, having to go to the bathroom. You can pretty much do it wherever you want. Right. But women, you know, it's, it's a thing for us. So um, I looked at it that way, and then they were laughing. And I'm like, bring me that catalog. You know, I want, I want to order <laughs> one of these to take home with me. <laughs> well, yeah, if you can make light of it, why not? I made uh, light of it, yeah. Yeah, and you got to find some kind of moments in it. But, but as you can hear with Maury, he didn't allow his dignity to be wrapped up in what he could or couldn't do physically. 
He, he didn't evaluate himself that way. And I think this, is, this goes back to you know the images that I was talking about of, of the people in Haiti who I see were just working, I mean, just incredibly hard. And, and, and they're proud. And they're not, they don't look at this as like being stuck with something. This is what they have to do. People that I know who have ALS, who, who are in wheelchairs and who have to use devices like my friend Augie Nieto, who, who uh, types with his toe, uh, on a little device mm. and, uh, and blinks his eyes and and, and, and and a screen in front of him finds different letters and he forms the spelling of a letter and finally the letter makes a word and then finally the word makes a sound and it can take as long as it just took me to explain right. it, if not longer, to type up a single word and the patience that that takes and yet I never get the feeling with him or with many other people who have ALS that that their dignity is what's the price that they're paying. They don't want to be in this situation. They don't want to physically be there. But like you said, once you find yourself there, then the trick is to uh, come out of it and say, okay, you know, after you rail against it for a while, all right, if this is the situation, how do I make the best of it? And in making the best of it, whatever that situation may be, there lies your dignity. You see, mm-hmm. we think that our dignity gets wounded by a bad event. Actually, it gets activated by a bad event, and you are forced to sort of find it. And a lot mm-hmm. of people who were, like even Augie, uh, you know, my friend, he was very high-flying. He was very, very rich and had a big, successful fitness company, and he was handsome and and uh, ran around the world, and uh, you know he, he 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 took trips in exotic places, and and later he would say to me, "I wasn't that nice a guy, you know. Like I I just kind of thought I had everything coming to me." And when ALS struck, and he couldn't do any of that anymore, and he slowly you know became wheelchair bound, he became a much more respected, I think, person, a much more dignified person. And the way that he behaved was much better as a human being than when he was Mm -hmm. fully able to do everything physical. So sometimes your dignity is activated by a physical challenge and you become more of a dignified person and you really realize what dignity is, what pride is, what respect is because of how hard you have to challenge yourself to get through it. And when people meet you, they notice a change. Maury spoke about that too in terms of people, uh, why people were uncomfortable, uncomfortable with talking to people who were dying and why the people who were dying had an easier time of having the conversation and talking about it than the people who had to listen to it who weren't used to such conversations. Here's why he explained that. Oh, yes, you ought to ask them, but I'll tell you what I think. One, a lot of people have not had much experience with dying people. Usually they withdraw, that is the dying person, or the other person, because they're so frightened on either end. So to come up face-to-face with somebody like myself who is dying, is both new and perhaps uh, has the potential for a lot of learning. And I feel the kind of 
understanding, you know, when you when a person is dying, when I am dying, I don't only have to be taking, I can also be giving. And that is a very interesting, I think, an unusual idea. Because usually when you're an extremist like this, you gotta get, you gotta get. People have to help you, give to you. But for you to give back in that situation, for you to, as I am concerned about the others, able to make suggestions about problems and issues that they have in their life, able to give them a lot of affection and understanding, that's a little bit unusual, I think, for a dying person. Now, that, there's just a, a brilliance to that statement because that is exactly what Maury ended up becoming, a giving, mm -hmm. sharing, uh, advising, counseling person. So as his physical abilities diminished, his emotional offerings and support increased. He became much more dignified in terms of being a person who people wanted to go and talk to and listen to than even when he had been before because his wisdom was now infused with this added thing. More, he had always been smart. He'd always been kind. He'd always been open to people. But now his wisdom was infused with this other thing. Listen, I'm dying. Trust me. I, you know, I'm at the end of the line here. My perspective is pretty good on life. You know, I've seen, I've seen the happy days and the middle days, and now I'm seeing the end days. Trust me, mm -hmm. I, you know, this isn't something like, okay, uh, come back in 10 years, I'm going to change my mind. I'm not going to be here in 10 years. This is the end, and let me tell you how I see life from the end. So there's a certain dignity and, and, and commanded respect that you get only through your suffering, only through being in a position where people say, you have endured more than I have, what, what I have, what can you teach me? You have gone through more than I have, what can you teach me? And that's how Maury felt. That's why he became the way he did in the end. That's why I was able to write Tuesdays with Maury, because he wanted to teach about what he had learned right down to the, to the bitter end. And, mm -hmm. you know, his dignity came through in everything that he did. And this is a man who couldn't button his own shirt and couldn't brush his own hair or brush his teeth, wipe his own rear end. You know, nothing. He was totally dependent, and yet his dignity shone, you know. And when you were near him, you certainly felt that you were in the presence of a dignified person. So don't, how does that apply to us? If you, you know, this isn't just uh, obviously for people who have ALS. If you have a, an illness, if you have a setback, if you're unemployed, if you are um, overweight, if you're just dealing with things that you, that you think are affecting your pride, are affecting your dignity, that you can't be the full person that you want to be or that people will respect because they will think this of you or they will think that of you or think that of you. Just think about Maury, who couldn't move, was in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. needed to be carried from place to place. Someone had to wipe his rear end, and he didn't let that affect his dignity in the slightest. In fact, his dignity grew. His dignity grew. And that, so, so whatever we have to face, whatever challenges we have to face, and things that might limit us. Don't let your, your self-esteem get caught up in that. You know, you have your dignity always. So that's our lesson for today. And uh, I, I, I saw it where I was last week. I saw it how many years ago already now? 25 years ago with Maury. And that's something I want to share with everybody here. 
no matter what you're going through, your dignity is not controlled by somebody else or their thoughts about you. Your dignity is within your own control and how you view the world through your own eyes. So uh, embrace whatever your challenges are and be proud and don't let, don't let your dignity take a hit. If you enjoy our podcast, uh, please know that you can go to wetuesdaypeople.com and find out much more about our other podcasts and discussion groups and things like that. And we do this every week. So uh, with Lisa Goich, my friend and producer, I am Mitch Album saying to you, we will see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.